tea drinkers and listeners. This is Corey Calder with Staffelty Spilling the Tea. I want to let you know that next week we're going to have an incredible episode with seniors, yes, seniors, spilling the tea about the Verina High School career. I can't wait for you to listen to that episode. I've been recording them, and they are going to turn out fantastic. So listen next week, and make sure you listen to Senior Spilling the Tea. But until then, we got some staffity members about to spill the tea, so let's get into it. There's the bell. Time for class. Hey, this is Corey Calder, host of Staffelty Spilling the Tea. Today, we have on a very special guest. Uh, her name is Lindsay Terry. Lindsay, you want to say hey? Hey, guys. So, Lindsay, a uh, fun story, just, you know, you might not know this or whatnot, but last year, uh, and listeners, you don't know this, but last year, I got to be a part of the English team and sort of learn English from an administrator role and every to go to. Um, I got to hang out with an awesome English team that we have at Verona High School. And there I got to meet Lindsay and we kind of connected some and I've been in your classroom, I think once or twice, and I know the students love you to death. So uh, pumped to have you on for the podcast today. Oh, well, thanks. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and just let them know a little bit about you, your family and how you got into education. Okay, so um, my name is Lindsay Terry, um, as Corey said. Um, I've actually been teaching for 16 years. Um, so seven of those were in Hopewell at Hopewell High School, and um, the last nine have been at Verina. Um, so I grew up in Hopewell. Um, I met my husband in Hopewell. He and I are both teachers there. So um, that's how that ended up. And I just ended up at Verina because that's where I live. And I you know, once we had a family, we wanted to all be in the same school system just to, you know, um, be on the same page, I guess you could say. So, yeah. Very um, cool. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, you know, I got in the field of education. Um, you know, I grew up where the whole idea of going to college was just very abstract, you know. Um, honestly, none of my friends, like none of their parents attended college. It wasn't really something um, that was discussed with kids. Um, if you didn't grow up in a particular neighborhood or if you weren't in AP classes, um, neither of my parents went to college. My dad was in the military and then he spun nylon at Elad Chemical for, you know, almost 40 years after that. And uh, my mom worked, you know, just very secretarial jobs, um, you know, never went without or anything like that. Always had, you know, dance lessons and a car and, you know, they wanted me to go to college, but they just had no idea really to even make that happen. So... You know, that's one of the things that I really try to do with my students is to get them to think about what they want to do with their future. Because, you know, a lot of them have no idea to where even begin. Um, I didn't have any plans to go, to be perfectly honest. I, uh, you know, I was a junior in high school. And um, are you from Virginia, Corey? I, I can't remember. Yeah, I went to um, Deep Run High School. I grew up in the West End. Okay. So, um when I was in high school, SOLs didn't count. So I don't think they started counting towards graduation until maybe 2004. And mm -hmm. when um, I graduated from high school in 2000, it was just something that they did to kind of just, I guess, maybe to develop the tests and see what they needed to do and maybe work out deficits, I guess, that kids had. And um, my junior year of high school, um, a history teacher asked me, where I was going to college. And I remember I was like, well, I'm not. And I just kind of laughed because that just seemed so ridiculous to me, like just an unattainable kind of thing 
And he said to me, he was just like, you're the only person in the class who, who passed the SOL. And I was like, what? You know, <laughs> you know, it just didn't seem to me like something that was, you know, even possible, you know, mm-hmm. I, I never failed. I wasn't bad. I was quiet. I was one of those kids, I guess you could say that, um, believe it or not, which I'm sure people won't, I was incredibly shy and I didn't really talk a lot in school. And so, yeah. um, you know, he was one of the first people that ever really mentioned college to me. Um, his name was Mr. Fitch. He was um, a history teacher. And um, he just basically was kind of like, you know, you're capable, you're smart enough. Like, don't just sit around here because that's what everybody else is doing. And I can remember kind of thinking, huh, maybe I will go to college. And then I had a teacher, um, my English and theater teacher, uh, Mrs. White. Um, she's actually a Verina graduate. Um, she kind of, uh, you know, whipped me into shape and was just like, you're good enough. Don't act like you're not. And, um, you know, she kind of explained this dynamic to me that I think that a lot of people may feel if they're a first generation college student where you're kind of stuck between two worlds. You know, um, I grew up kind of in a blue collar environment. And then when I went to college, there were all these people who had these parents that had like they were engineers or they worked in PR or advertising and things like that. And to me, I didn't even realize that was a thing. You know, I just thought people Mm -hmm. were like police officers, lawyers and firemen and teachers and secretaries. I didn't realize the whole, you know, there's this whole world out there. And that's kind of what I want to bring in to Verina. And I want to bring to my students. I want them to know that, you know, there are these things out there that you can pursue we just got to figure out how to make it happen. You know, you can't say yeah. you want to be in the NBA and you've never played basketball, you know, just mm-hmm. what, what would be a goal that you want to achieve and what can we do to help you make that? So happen? how do you, how do you do that in the classroom? Cause that, so, that's, that concept's very interesting. So how do you do that? So one of the things I do is at the beginning of the year, we talk about what our future goals are. And I wouldn't say it's so much like a setting a smart goal, so to speak, as it's like, what do you want to do? And so they'll say, I want to go to college. Well, what do you need to do to go to college? Well, I need to apply. But what else do you need to do? You know, and so we'll sit down and we'll make a list of what they need to do. And then we try to check off those items and make things achievable by setting smaller goals towards the larger ones. So if you want to go to college, um, let's figure out where you want to go. And if you even have the GPA to make that happen, you know, um, you can't be a straight C student and say, I'm going to go to Yale, you know? So it's just about like, what, what can we do to get you into college? Um, And I always try to emphasize with them that even like, I hate it when I hear them say, well, I'm only going to Jay Sarge or I'm only going to Richard Bland. And uh, I tell them I went to Richard Bland at first because I missed all the college deadlines because no one ever called me down to apply. And I didn't even realize that deadlines were a thing. That's just how naive I was about, oh, wow. about everything. Yeah. You know, honestly, if you, uh, I didn't take AP classes. And so, you know, school counselors didn't go into, um, you know, just what they were called. On, this is like crazy. They were called C-level classes, um, you know, or um, standard, just what everybody was in. And uh, they didn't come to you and talk to you about that. So, I ended up at Richard Bland for a year. So, um, well, I'm glad that you pursued the teaching route. <laughs> yeah, me too. It was, you know, um, I just want people, I want them to know there's just so much more out there than like just their neighborhoods, you know, or what their friends are doing, you know? 
Yeah, and it's neat to like connect with the students. You know, um, you know, teaching ninth and tenth grade health and PE. You know, I let my students know, even though I'm a quote unquote gym teacher. You know, I got I got a master's in education. Right. Like if I wanted to go, if I wanted to go take a praxis in history, I could become a history teacher. And just talking with them about like what it takes to get to that point. A lot of them, like you said, and you experience, you have no idea right. what we go through to get to where we are as teachers. Right. And I think that, you know, honestly, I can remember talking to kids when I was still teaching in Hopewell about uh, they didn't even know that teachers had to go to college, which I know sounds so strange, you know, and, you know, oh, and I get that all the time from my students about PE teacher, especially. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, you know, during this, uh, you know, pandemic we're experiencing right now, I've been doing an online PE class with my daughter and I'm just thinking, oh, this will be like, you know, so easy. It'll be just a, um, like Joe Wicks, we're going to just do March in place and jumping jacks. I kid you not, Corey, mm-hmm. Corey I thought I was going to die. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I hope somebody knows CPR in this house because I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. There's just so much more to it, you know, with anything that, that I think people realize, you know? Yeah. In my enrichment activity, I put up to my students this week. Um, they have to go watch a and participate in a workout class on YouTube and James Madison University their gym UREC facility put out 45 minute workouts for free, mm-hmm. like at home, no equipment required. And there's like 40 of them. Oh, wow. And um, so I'm, I'm hoping my students take advantage of that and, you know, try a workout class because that's what we were going to focus on the fourth nine weeks was lifetime activity. And we're not going to be able to do that. So I'm really hoping they take the opportunity and do that. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I did like the Joe Wicks. It's like this British guy. So it was kind of, you know, fun or whatever. But I, my wife, oh, go ahead. You can go ahead. I was gonna say my wife, she's been doing bar classes online um, and they look very challenging and I have yet to try one, but I think I'm going to break out of my bubble this week oh, and try you one. You should. I mean, just like, you know, even like to me, like sometimes I think yoga doesn't, I'm like, oh, that's not hard. I could do that. And then I'm like, oh my God, why am I sweating? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Right. Like I, I just, no one, I think not no one, but just a lot of kids just don't realize a lot of the the work and things like that that go on with um, that go towards even being a teacher um, or even just pursuing a career. And, you know, uh, college isn't for everyone. And so that's not something that I push on everyone. You know, if someone's like, well, I want to work for my uncle in HVAC. Well, I'm like, well, how are you going to do that? You know, are you going to become certified yourself so that, you know, if, you know, your uncle's small business doesn't work out for you, that you'll be able to get a job, say, at, you know, for the state doing something with HVAC, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are people with, um, you know, trade certifications that make, you know, five times the amount of money that we do with a college education, you know? And so I think that's something that they don't even realize, you know? Yeah. So, um, what's, you know, I, I know you are a very successful teacher. Like I said, the students love you. Um, (laughs) your administrator speaks very highly of you. Uh, what, what do you do in the classroom? Spill the tea on what you do in the classroom that makes you so successful. I think my number one thing, um, and I'm, you know, kind of humbled to hear you say that because sometimes I think that like, I'm just, uh, you know, treading water, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I'm very organized and I try to make sure that I always know where every paper is, every document, 
so that I can pull those up for people so that they know exactly what they need, I guess, in order to be successful. Um, and yeah. I, I try to make learning fun. You know, I try to, you know, joke around a little bit and um, not be so serious all the time. I think um, when I first started teaching, I wanted to be taken seriously. So sometimes I think that I would come across as mean and unfeeling and angry when I'm probably one of the least angry people in the world. Like I'm never really mad. So I don't really, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think I gave off that vibe for a while. And so I, when I realized one day when a kid asked me why I was mad all the time and I'm like, I'm not angry, you know, I'm not, you know, <laughs> what, you know, and then I realized that maybe I needed to change a little bit how I was, coming across because I didn't want to come across that way. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have like a highlight and low life um, moment in the classroom that you've experienced? Like something that went really well and like, you know, you went home, popped your collar, you're (laughs) bragging everybody um, or a moment where you like kind of learned from it and then fixed it going forward. Um, You know, the moment where the kid asked me why I was angry all the time was definitely one of the things that I remember. Um, a lot. And I can remember once, um, my very first teaching job right out of high school was at, um, in a local school system that, um, had an alternative school and they hired me to teach a summer school class. I was fresh out of college. I was, um, not even 22 yet. And I was teaching, um, this alternative ed English 10 class. And, um, they didn't tell me it was alternative ed and they ate me alive the first day. Um, I kid you not. They even, they stole like my tote bag and my car keys. They didn't take my car. Thank God. But, uh, oh wow! but you know, and I just kind of realized then that I needed to make sure I, um, you know, wasn't, I don't want to say like trusting, but you just have to remember what you're there to do, you know? And yeah, I don't know. I can't, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Well, what, what about a, a Lindsay Terry hall of fame moment? I think maybe one of the best assignments that we do is a historical mystery project where the kids can um, research any like historical mystery or cold case or um, anything like that, which I know doesn't sound like the typical everyday English activity, but it's about research and finding sources and checking the validity of sources. And um, I think that they all really like to um, pursue these crazy gory cases or even just, you know, read more about um, just random topics, I guess. So some kids choose to research like what happened to Amelia Earhart, or then you'll have some that choose um, is Tupac still alive. And so they'll, you know, try to find all these <laughs> different sources about that. And then they present them and they're so funny because all the kids like they listen and they, you know, they have to take notes and then ask questions and so, you know, some of the kids will go back and research and then follow up. And so it's just really neat to see the progression of um, the excitement they have about a topic that's interesting to them where they don't even realize that they are, in fact, conducting research and, you know, looking for um, valid sources. Yeah, like trick them into right. doing exactly what you want them to do while they're having right. fun. Exactly. That's, that's cool. So what have you been up to? during this, you know, COVID time where we're not allowed to be at school or trapped in the house. And, you know, what, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? So my, um, I have a seven-year-old daughter, so we've been doing like a elementary school 
um, you know, work, helping her homeschool with that kind of stuff. Um, and then um, I'm also the yearbook advisor. So for the first three weeks of, um, I guess, pandemic break, I finished the yearbook. So I had about um, 22 pages I had to finish. <laughs> so, what, what? oh God, I mean, for three weeks I was, you know, you know, living on my computer doing that. Um, and then, you know, now when it's nice outside, I like to go outside. Uh, my husband built some, you know, deck furniture. So I was helping him with that. We've just been, you know, doing home improvement projects and, you know, making recipes and just trying to find fun things to do at home. Very cool. Yep. What if- yeah, my wife and I have been working outside a mm-hmm. bunch and I feel like, you know, we just got that stimulus check and I, you know, most of it might be going to Home Depot. Right. So I'm thinking I might need to buy some stock in, in Home Depot just to kind of reap some of the rewards that they're oh, getting right now because mm-hmm. the line is incredibly long outside the one near our house. Definitely. And like, even if you go, um, you know, if you go to the grocery store and you pass by a Lowe's, the parking lot is always packed in like Lowe's or Home Depot. Yeah. Um, we actually also planted a garden. So, um, you know, we, what are you planting? So we planted everything to make salsa is kind of what the going, the running joke is. So we have tomatoes and peppers and, um, we did some cucumbers and squash. Um, we did, weren't expecting the frost last night or the night before rather. So we might have a couple of things to replant, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We had that like long stretch of wet, nice weather. And then we had that like one or two nights of really right. cold weather. So my wife and I, we're a little nervous about our what garden as well. We did tomatoes and then we like simple stuff that like I can't uh-huh. kill. <laughs> um, so pretty much just a bunch of like spices and different things. So basil, mint, cilantro, green onions, just right. things that you really can't kill <laughs> um, unless you try really right. hard. So we did that and we also like going for walks and I try to go on a couple of runs a week and just get back into the swing right. of things. Cause this time is so crazy. It's like, what do we, what can we do? You know? And then I'm trying to connect with my kids. I hold office hours on zoom and I'll get a couple of them come out and chat. And it's fun when you get a it chance. Is. To I that. had um, a couple zoom meetings and I've had, a, you know, maybe two or three pop in and we chat and, you know, they laugh, you know, and they'll introduce me to their dog and, <laughs> yeah that kind of thing so it's fun it's cool to connect that way and to keep that relationship right. building going. I agree and I think that's one of the most important things too is that uh you know you know a lot of people and even some you know teachers will say I don't care if the kids like me and it's not that I care that they like me but they need to you know at least feel comfortable enough to talk to you or um respect you enough you know to I can't mm-hmm. explain it, but it definitely helps if they like you. They're a lot more cooperative <laughs> and willing to do that. When I see, yeah, and I see you and I are very similar in the sense that we're playful in the right. classroom. And my first year of teaching, you know, all, all you heard was no cracking a smile until Absolutely. December. So I like, tr- I tried it for the first nine weeks. And then after that quarter one reflection that I do with my students, like every one of them was like, sort of like your story before, like, why are you so mean? Why are you so like upset? And I'm like, I guess I don't have to be right. this way. Like I can be playful and I just let them know, like, I'm going to be playful, Corey. And then when, or Mr. Calder. And then when Mr. Calder sees that you all don't get the hang of things and I'm going to have to 
crack the whip and get back to it. So it's, um, it's an interesting dynamic, but after a couple years of teaching and feeling it out, I think I've gotten a good grasp on the playful and strict line. Like, I think I walk it. And I think that's, it's, that's a really hard skill to develop. It's kind of like when you first start teaching and it's almost, it's, it was torture to call parents to me and, and talk to them Mm -hmm. because I would just not even really know what to say. Like, other than your kid is just really, they're, they're really being mean, you know, and I just didn't really know, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not, they're failing, you know, and it just took me a while to be comfortable enough to say, well, I feel like there's a deficit in this area and just being confident in that. And I think that that also helps the, you know, you're always told the longer you do something, the better you'll become. And I think that's, that's true, you know? Yep. Oh yeah. And even from like, you know, I'm trying to pursue the admin role. The first time I had to call home about a suspension, mm-hmm. I was about to cry because I'm like, oh, my God, this parent's going to read me out. Oh, my God, I'm going to suspend their kid. Oh, my God, oh, my God. But then once you just talk about the behavior from the student and not like the characteristics right. of the student, I feel like that helps steer the conversation where the parents have to be a little more understanding. Now, are they upset? Sure. But they're, they understand that it was the behavior is why you're punishing them, not like, oh, your kid's a bad Right, kid. and I think that um... – you know, the, uh, I think there's this like idea that when teachers call home that their parents automatically side with the, the, the child. And that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. I think that when you call and you try to be as neutral in your um, tone with the parent, that you're almost always supported in what they say, you know, um, it, you know, it's like, so if you were saying, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, today, Mikey, um, unfortunately did x y and z and they're like he did and I'll, you know you just kind of i don't know you just kind of have to talk to them in a way that's not like you said like your kid is awful and the worst person in the world you know mm-hmm. and you know you just have to make sure that they know that you're not out to get their child you're just concerned and i think that that really you know helps so you know and i one one little trick that i do that i recommend for some teachers is if I do a negative phone call home, either before or after, I always try to do one positive one um, just to put me right. in a better place. Um, you know, so if I have to call home about a student be, you know, misbehaving later in the day, I'm going to call home about a positive kid who I interacted with that day or that week or whatever. And then for me, I forget about right. that negative call and I'm just, I'm rolling with That's the good. positivity. You know, one of the things that I do try to do when I have to call home because of, of a behavioral concern, and especially since I teach all seniors now, um, I try mm-hmm. to return, like with the behavior has changed, I always try to call the parent back to let them know that their child has improved, whether it's, you know, and oh, I, I think love that, that um, they're very surprised because I don't think they get a lot of phone calls back saying, you know, um, whatever you're doing with your child is working or, um, you know, they've really decided to stop, um, you know, playing on their phone or um, talking out of turn or, you know, being, you know, just disrespectful or whatever the behavior was that you were trying to correct when you call them back and say that it's improved, you know, maybe it's not to where you want it to be, but once you've done that, it definitely continues to improve because the kid knows that you're not, you know, trying to get them in trouble, so to speak. You're not just being a snitch, I yeah. guess you could say. Now, how does that, how does that help the kid's behavior in class going forward? Does the, 
does the behavior go back to them being mis, you know, disrespectful or not following the rules? Or do they like, oh, Miss Terry's got my back. Um, she'll call positive and negative. How is that relationship and how is um, the behavior I think, in class? You know, after you've called a parent to tell them about a negative behavior, I think that does have an impact on how um, the child or, or how the student responds to you. They'll be just like, they're, they're angry at you ultimately for calling their parents, especially if they've been, you know, fussed at for whatever it was that they did, you know, or mm-hmm. um, their grades or whatever. So I think that, um, when you call back and say, Hey, you know, I've seen this improvement. They do know that you do care and that you're not just out to get them. And I think it improves the relationship. I would say, um, let's say I called 10 parents and then, you know, eight of the students or even more than that, nine improved and you still have one that's misbehaving. And I called back those nine parents. There may be one child that will return back to that behavior and I just have to call again. But for the, for the most part, I think mm-hmm. that they, they feel that, you know, the fact they feel like you disrespected them by calling their parents, I guess you could say. And then when yeah. you call them again and say they're improving, you're showing that you do respect them, that you just need to make sure that they're doing what they need to do to either respect themselves or others, you know? Yeah. So spill the tea on this. What um, what's one thing that Lindsay Terry does with her students that a teacher should borrow, steal, still give you credit for it? Um, but borrow or steal to start the school year next year or even to do during this COVID um, time? I'm not sure about the COVID time, but I would say at the beginning of the school year, and I know this just seems so small and petty, I am like a stickler about where they sit because A, it um, it helps me memorize their names pretty quickly. So I, I'll know their names within mm-hmm. you know two weeks if I have them sitting in the same spot every day. And then you can determine who's friends with um, – you know, who's friends with who and how to, um, how they should be seated. And, you know, I, I know this sounds small, but I move their seats all the time so that, so just, I love that. And I know it just seems like so like simple, but you would be surprised how moving their seats early on really does change, you know, unwanted behaviors in the classroom which, you know, and mm-hmm. then they know early on. So if you let them sit in the seat till November and then you want them to move, it might become more of an argumentative issue with them. Like, this is my seat. I want to sit here. Whereas when you've, you've moved them, you know, mm-hmm. every day for two weeks, like for the every two weeks or so, then it's not that big of a deal, if that makes sense. That's no, that makes a lot of sense. And I hope that the listeners out there maybe try that out next year, because that's a very interesting it's way just, of doing it's it. It's just a behavioral like management tool. And it might work because, you know, seniors behave a lot differently than um, ninth grade. I taught ninth grade for 11 years. So I know that sometimes they can be a little bit of a struggle and it's like, but that's seniors, not ninth graders, but it works with ninth grade too. I promise. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, it's that time of the show where you get to give shout outs oh. to your peeps. So any students, teachers, whomever, um, you know, who, who do you well, want to give course, a shout out to wanna, during this time? You know, shout out to my English department friends. I miss you guys. I miss our lunches. I miss hanging out. Um, and my yearbook kids, I miss them, especially my photojournalism two students. I've had them for two or three years and I definitely miss seeing them. Well, awesome. Well, um, I will just say <laughs> shout out to your English team, because like I said before, um, I love being a part of your faculty, not faculty, but your staff meetings. Um, 
every month last year. They were so like uplifting, even though you're there at eight o'clock in the morning, like the rest of the day, I was so motivated to go. The whole team is just like loving it. And so definitely huge. Oh, shout out to your that's so team. Nice. I love them all to death. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the call today and spilling the tea as to what works well with you. And I hope the fans out there have enjoyed um, learning a little awesome. bit. About well, thanks for having me. And um, I will talk to you soon. What's going on, Staffily Spilling the Tea listeners? This is Corey Calder, and I have another special one for you today. It is my great pleasure to have on another exceptional uh, English teacher, Mr. Cullen. How are you doing? Uh, great. Happy to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and um, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to observe some of your classes, and I know you bring it every day for the kids. And um, I'm just pumped to have you on and let you spill the tea. Sounds good to me. So can you give the listeners a little background info on who you are and how you got into education? So uh, I have always been really interested in anything relating to books and writing. Um, and so I didn't necessarily plan in college on becoming an English teacher, uh, although it wasn't something I was against, but that was a subject I was interested in. And then when I graduated, um, I began substitute teaching for a little while and then I went ahead and took classes to get my teaching certificate because I actually enjoyed substitute teaching uh, quite a bit. And so people told me first I was crazy for thinking that. And then I was just day, about to say that. Right. <laughs> so I always liked it because no matter you got to see all different classrooms and all different schools, uh, I subbed all over the place in Henrico County. Um, and it was just really interesting to see how different things were in different places. And if you had a terrible day with a bunch of crazy classes at the end, you just left and it was like, well, uh, I won't be back there for at least a little while. Um, so that, that was, you know, one good thing. Um, but I don't know, because I like that people told me, well, if you like that, you should become an actual teacher. You know, if you, if you can tolerate, um, you know, interacting with some of these, these students who might in some classes be sort of challenging. Uh, and so I subbed and I went and got my teaching certificate and and have been teaching there for, I guess, I think this is year 15. Oh, wow. So you've been, you've been a, a lifer. You're like almost one of those you know, teachers on the top row of our staff photo. I know I'm cha chasing uh, Tracy Evans and Paige and some other people. <laughs> well, so. you know, maybe if we get a chance to do the staff photo this year, you know, you might be top rung or top two. I know I'll, I'll be up there. So um, you mentioned you love books and writing. What, what are some of your favorite books? Well, so one, the, I would say the last one that I read that totally blew my mind um, was The Secret History by Donna Tartt. And she's uh, kind of well known for a book called The Goldfinch that came out a few years ago, which, um, you know, I thought was solid. Uh, I didn't like it as much as The Secret History. But um, it's one of those books where the first time I read it, uh, it was interesting. And I had this sense that there was a lot more going on uh, than I was perceiving on that first read. Uh, you just sometimes you read a book and you can tell there's there's some depth to it. And so then when I went back and read it again after the first time, you know, I enjoyed it the first time. It was a good story, well written. The second time I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, you know, and I saw all these kind of um, subtleties with the character she was putting in there and things I'd missed the first time. And so that's a good one. You know, I wouldn't reach for it necessarily if you're looking for kind of like a page turner, um, kind of a lighter book. Uh, it does have a good story, but it's not, you know, necessarily an easy read. Not super hard, but not not one that's going to kind of pull you right along. And sometimes that's what you want to read. But that was one that really kind of like struck me as being just like a great novel. 
Um, and also one that I think a lot of people think is a good book, but they don't necessarily think that it's, you know, one of the all-time greats, but I definitely do. So, so that's one from the last maybe couple of years that really struck me. Cool. I'm going to have to give that one a read, and it sounds like I'm going to have to give it a, a couple reads through. Right. Because <laughs> I, I read, a, I'm a huge education nerd, so like I'll pick up any book about education or, you know, best teaching practices or yeah. how to be an administrator and all that stuff. And for me, it's like I'll read that three or four times through, front yeah. and back, back and front, and I love it. But for me, it's hard to find a book that's not related to education that I can really get through. It's really weird. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I already have that circled in my show notes and uh, I'm going to give that a read. Well, the thing is, I mean, it, it, it is hard to find books that you, that you'll enjoy. I usually like to try out just a ton of books before I find one that grabs my attention. I, and I really like to read, but it's just, you know, there's so many different books out there. What are the odds that if you just randomly pick one up, it's going to be one that you just like yeah. music, you know, nobody likes all the bands or artists. You have specific ones that you like. So same thing with books. So I feel like people should not spend, this is maybe not something you would think an English teacher would say, but I would say if you're looking for a book for pleasure reading, don't spend too much time on one if it's not grabbing your attention. Like give it a chance, but if not, try a different one. There's tons of books out there, you know? Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, when you say, when you say give a book a try, cause I've never heard that. What, how far do you get into it before you're like, yeah, this isn't for me. So this results probably in me missing out on some books that would have been great. I realize, <laughs> but I seriously, uh, cause I think, I think it works. Maybe I bet that doesn't happen too often. I'm sure I've missed some great books, but I bet that I've avoided wasting, you know, hours and hours in a book that I didn't enjoy, like, you know, far more frequently. Uh, so I would give it maybe, um, if it's an audio book, I would say maybe 20 minutes. And if we're talking okay. about re reading through pages, I mean, a couple chapters, and if I'm not, if it doesn't seem well written, if it's not grabbing my attention, if I don't like the style, uh, you know, then forget it. Like, you know, maybe make a note if you, you know, you, you might want to come back to it later if you think you might be missing something. Sometimes you have the sense there's something there you're not quite, you know, latching onto yet. So you get a little bit more time, but, you know, not very long because there are just, there are way more books out there that you could possibly read in your entire life, obviously. Um, and way more books that you would love if you could, you know, find them and read them that you could read in your entire life. So don't waste time on, on one that's not grabbing your attention, unless you're reading it for some other reason, like for a class or something like that, or a book group. But, um, but you know, so not very long. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that advice. And um, I'm gonna have to start using that. So, you know, you said you love reading. Let's kind of dive into the classroom. How do you get kids excited about reading? How do you get kids wanting to read? What do you do uh, in your classroom? So this is maybe sort of... Um, a heterodox opinion, but I think the best thing you can do uh, is that you is to find a book that has mass appeal that you think all the students in the class are going to enjoy it, and then use that book as like a, cl a, whole, a whole class novel, because the independent reading setup definitely works well, uh, but it's hard to get everybody um, to read with independent reading because just like we were talking about, it's really hard to match books to, to students. Um, and so you have to sort of, uh, you know, let them try out book after book after book. And you can almost always eventually get every student to find a book. But it's even better. It's even more efficient. You get more compliance if you can have that book that you know is going to be a hit with all the students. And then you have everybody read it as a class. So I'm not necessarily arguing against independent reading because you want that flexibility. But you want to also have, and maybe as the core of what you do, you know, a set of books that you know the students are going to enjoy. And you can do a lot of stuff with those books. And then you use them as whole class novels. Um, the drawback of that is that it is extremely hard to find a book that, that fits that description. But 
uh, I have found a couple over the years, you know, at different grade levels. And that's the most efficient way to do it because you have a book, you well, know it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my, my next question is, is how do you stay hip with the times, you know, every year you teach, right. You know, you're having newer books come out and younger students coming into your classroom. Right. You know, do you like just Google like best books for teens or like, how do you, how do you find that like core group of books and then start giving them to the kids? Well, it is really difficult. Uh, I'll do something sometimes where we'll try out different books of the class uh, and I'll have the students rate them on the, on a Google doc. So we'll mm-hmm. try that approach and you can catch some that way, but it just is really difficult. You have to try a lot of different ones. I do have a pretty good sense at this point, uh, at least of ones that they might enjoy. Uh, so I can usually tell if it's one that they won't enjoy at all, I can usually spot that immediately. Then there's some where I'm like, well, I think this might work. And then sometimes those turn out to be ones that, that work really well. Um, I found a new one last year uh, with the seniors called Pride by E.B. Zuboy. Um and that one, um, Ashley Walker had it on a big list of books that she recommended. And so I kind of sampled, you know, the Kindle previews of, of all those different books. And that was one of like two or three that really stood out to me where I thought it might work. And we got a class set of that. Um, and it totally worked. It was great. Um, hadn't found one that worked that well for, for a few years. Um, so, you know, uh, got lucky slash have a good sense of what they might enjoy slash get some good recommendations from Ashley Walker. That's the approach. Very cool. Very cool. So um, let's stay with the classroom. How, you know, can you dive into and spill the tea on like what you do well in the classroom? Because I've heard, you know, very positive things from you and your or about you from your colleagues and kids. Um, and, you know, you've been in the game for this long, you know, teachers who don't last kind of quit after year five. Yeah. What do you do well? in the classroom and what could people learn from you? Well, I think, uh, you know, everybody has to take a different approach to it based on their persona. So this wouldn't necessarily work for everybody. Um, but my kind of approach that seems to work best for me and my temperament is just to try to be uh, professional and friendly and pretty much never in any way sort of, uh, I guess, um, hard-edged or, or mean or rude not that you'd want to necessarily be those things exactly, but sometimes you can be a little bit more, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact adjective here, but a little bit more edgy, uh, you know, if it matches your persona and the students understand you're doing it in like, you know, a paternal or maternal manner. Um, you mm-hmm. might think Victoria Ferris, like, I mean, she can tell her kids what's up and, you know, she's, she's yeah. and they're going to listen to her because she has a persona and a charisma that can pull that off. I don't. So uh, I, yeah. So uh, what works best for me is trying to be, you know, friendly, professional, you know, um, never sort of uh, saying anything that's going to uh, be misinterpreted by a student, always staying calm. Uh, that's a, that's what I try to do in every single moment. I think to myself, um, you know, if there's a situation with a student, like what would the most professional teacher say in this moment? And then I try to sort of, you know, say that thing or do that thing. And I'm not saying that it always works out perfectly, uh, but that seems to be the best sort of guidance for me anyway, with my temperament and personality, as far as interacting with students. Cool. Cool. And, and let's kind of, you know, keep it the classroom. What, what sort of like a super high lesson that was like Matt Collins, Hall of Fame lesson uh, that you executed in the past couple of years. So the one that worked, uh, it worked a little bit better last year, actually, than it did this year. And I think I have some, some ideas about why that might have been the case. But 
One that turned out uh, better than I thought it would even was one where we wrote short stories uh, and then compared them with short stories by published authors. And it was a little bit time consuming uh, when we did that, um, but I think that it was worthwhile in the end because not only did the students come up with some really good short stories, but I think that comparing the short story they wrote to a short story by a professional writer was a better approach maybe than just going right to the story by the professional writers. We did read some of those before they wrote those. There's of course as kind of models, but because I don't know, it, it gave them a different perspective when they were reading that short story. They're like, well, here's my story. I can compare what, what I did in my story with what this professional writer did. And, and it was maybe a little more interesting for them than just, we're going to do this analysis activity on this story by a professional writer. Um, and that was, Last year that worked really well. It didn't work as well this year, like I said, for uh, a few reasons that, that I'll have to change next year if we do it. But uh, that's that my mind. So, you, so it sounds like you're the type of teacher who, you know, is constantly reflecting and, you know, boom, lesson went well. I'm going to make sure I write, write that in my notes so I do the same thing next year. Boom. That was terrible. Yeah. Uh, I need to fix it right. up. Um, how have you reflected on a lesson in the past? to make it better for the next time you teach? Well, I definitely always do some kind of reflection. Uh, I have some little text files inside of the folders on my computer uh, of the different types of assignments and I'll kind of jot down, you know, remember for next year, like do this, this, this. But to be honest, that's why I like teaching the same level, the same grade level, the same class over and over again. Some people ask me, like, doesn't it get boring if you're doing the same thing? It's like, well, no, there's always something that, you know, I did where I'm like, I don't do that next time or like try this next time or change this up. Um, and I, I feel like it takes, at least it takes me anyway, like a long time uh, working with a certain grade level to get everything sort of figured out and squared away and, you know, get the lesson plans calibrated properly. Um, so I like that kind of repetition and trying to fix little things each time. Yeah. And, and I, I've enjoyed that too. Like when I, when I teach like, like this year I had all PE. Mm -hmm. So when I got to the health room, you know, the kids don't like coming to health. They love there's like 90 of them they in don't there, like right? To health. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's about 30. And so I, I'm like, what can I do with these standards that I got to teach to make it engaging and fun? And I like teaching just one content because boom, yeah. it's like, all right, I teach it. Oh, that lesson didn't really right. go well. Second block's coming. Here we go. Let me change it up a little bit on the fly. And, you know, I don't know if you do this, but I tell my first block, I'm like, listen, <laughs> right. y'all get yeah. it. You know, y'all want something engaging, That's exactly and fun, what I <laughs> but you're, you're going to, you're going to have some right. bad lessons. So you got to, I know I always tell first block, I'm uh, like, first block, I'm sorry. Like I changed it because the next day, the second step will be slightly different from what I like kind of foreshadowed the previous day. And I'm like, well, after I did this with you guys, I realized that I had to change this for second block, you know, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is, that's, that's funny. Um, so what's, what are you doing during this COVID time? How are, how are things going um, with you and, and like, what are you up it, it's to? It's sort of amazing uh, that I thought that I would, um, you know, have sort of because of the flexibility of the schedule, uh, some additional time. And I'm like running around like just as much as I did, you know, when we were in the classroom teaching, uh, you know, doing stuff for like the online education, but even just all types of things that relate to sort of trying to live your life efficiently with this uh, pandemic going on in the background, like helping out my brother and his kids and their family and uh, all types of stuff in between. I, I managed to secure, I think, a summer school teaching gig online within Rico County. We'll see if that pans out. Uh, and I'm, yeah, and I was oh, trying cool. to apply also to the virtual Virginia online teaching, um, but their classes keep filling up. You've got to take a class 
online um, before you do that. But I was going to try to teach one of those classes virtually during the summer as well. So some of the stuff with that has taken up some time. But uh, I don't know. I think I've never been a person who has trouble sort of uh, filling up my time. It probably helps that I'm an extremely slow worker. So uh, I'm really, really, I was always the kid like in school. I was a good student. I got good grades, but I was always the last kid all the time, like taking the test because uh, I just like to go real slow and kind of methodically. And like, yeah, so that's probably one reason why it takes me so long to do everything but yeah <laughs> very cool so how how have um you know let's let's dive into virtual teaching like what like what what have gone well for you um what tips would you offer to teachers out there because one thing for me um that i've learned as i'm teaching this online health and pe stuff is if i call a parent it's one thing to call the parent and tell them that the kid's right. not doing work but sometimes i'm like hey is Corey called her there um, and the mom's like, yeah, yeah, Corey's here. Put Corey on right. the phone. Let me talk to Corey. And I will just like be teacher Corey yes. on the phone. I'm like, what are you doing? You need to get this yep. work done. You know, it's funny. So what, what are you doing that's working well? well uh, this is a real specific suggestion, I guess, but uh, there's a Google, I guess you call it app or plugin called Screencastify. Um, yeah, and it's free okay. um, or they haven't charged me yet anyway. Uh, but like, uh, maybe they're charging Rook County. I don't know. I'm using it anyway. Uh, but, uh, yeah, screencastify. And so, um, you're limited to five minute, uh, chunks, uh, but that's okay because that's about as long as you probably want to make one section of an explanatory video, but it sort of makes a screencast, like a video of your screen. Like you might see on YouTube, you know, can hear your voice in the background. You see your mouse moving around, uh, unless you make a instructional video on how to do an assignment. Uh, just using your your school computer or whatever laptop or computer that you have, and so making those uh, to augment the the written directions that I have on the class webpage has really helped. So a student can read the assignment, they can click on the little screencast that I made and hear me kind of talking through the assignment and clicking on different things uh, and showing how to do it. And so that's a real specific hope and hopefully helpful uh, tip for anybody trying to do some online education stuff. Cool. I, I like that tip. And um, I wrote it in my notes as well, because I I use a program, but it's different than that. So it, it allows me to kind of record my screen and and do it for my kids. And what I've found helpful is if I can get any of my students on a Zoom yeah. meeting because they just don't seem like they want to come on. You know, I'll project my screen and I'm like just going right. through the stuff with them. And those kids have definitely benefited from definitely. It. Yeah, you got to use some kind of yeah, like, well, they need like a visual example in addition to you talking through it. That's for sure. Yeah, it's just like you would do in the classroom, right? You'd pull your screen up on the projector. You're going to go through stuff. And so it makes it, you know, they're normal for getting direct instruction. From Definitely. You. So how, how many of your kids are doing the work? Are you having, you know, good success or are you, are you struggling? What's going on? Well, they did the work that they had to do, the seniors. Uh, but because oh, yeah. it's English 12, um, you know, some of them have done the enrichment activities and some of them haven't. Uh, you know, we keep posting them, but... Uh, when they're busy, when they're working their jobs and they don't necessarily have to do the assignment uh, for credit, you know, they have the choice of, of either doing it or not doing it. And uh, so yeah. you get some doing it and then some not doing it. So I wish I had more, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's probably less uh, as compared to the, the students who have to do the new, the new learning. For sure. For sure. Well, Hey man, it's that time of the show where, you know, you get to give some shout outs if there's any, you know, teachers out there or, your department or whatever, if you want to kind of highlight and give shout outs to anyone, the floor is well, yours. Well, uh, 
the English department always says this. And so I don't know if we come across as obnoxious or not, but we have a huge opinion of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we, we think that we're great. Uh, and that's not because of me. That's because of the other teachers in that department. I think that through whatever sort of, uh, you know, just random chance, uh, we've assembled like a really strong just roster of teachers over there in English. Um, a lot of people have been here for a while. Uh, it's, I, did, I noticed it a few years ago, just uh, this core of teachers, especially when we were over in nine building, who just had a real good, really good chemistry, uh, worked really well together. Um, and, and I think you can see that just in, uh, you know, how long a lot of those teachers have stayed. And, and uh, if you go into their classrooms, um, you know, how energetic they are. That, that's, that's a major thing is I've noticed that a lot of those English teachers in our department, uh, they have a ton of energy in the classroom and, and watching them always reminds me to not be too sort of, you know, monotone, not be too low key when, I, when I'm teaching, at least uh, to really amp it up and try to get the students attention. Um, so, yeah, I would just kind of like really try to point out the entire English department as, as a good crew with a lot of good chemistry. Yeah, and I, I, I've said this before on the episode, I don't know if it's been released or not, but, you know, I, I was on y'all's team last year kind of learning a core content from an admin side. And I look forward to the last Friday of every month, eight o'clock, getting breakfast, you know, a PD, the energy right. in that room for each of the department meetings was mm -hmm. incredible. And every, every English teacher that I've had on staff will be spilling the tea has been a remarkable listen. And so your shout out is a hundred percent on point. It's an incredible, incredible department. If there's any teachers out there that, you know, next year we can get in the classrooms and observe, every one of those teachers you go in nine building or you go, you know, to the building mm -hmm. across the hall where the rest of y'all are, you know, you walk in and you're going to learn something new from the moment you walk in from the Absolutely. moment. Absolutely. Uh, y'all are certainly incredible. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. Right. <laughs> the rest of them are, at least. I don't know if <laughs> and I it's am, but... all because it's all because of Matt Collins, right? It's all sure. because of uh, uh, I don't know if they, they would agree or not, but I'm at least like tagging along on their awesomeness. I don't know. <laughs> So, I, and, and before we head out, are you the the seasoned vet in the department, or is there someone who's you know been there I think longer? That, um, in terms of time at Verina, I think I've been there the longest. I think that Lindsay Terry okay. has a year or two on me in terms of just time teaching, uh, and I think that yeah. uh, Furman, Beth Furman, might have some additional time okay. on me in terms of number of years teaching. I think I've been at Verina the longest by maybe like a year or two, not by much, but a little bit. Okay. Well, those summer school years should count for two, right? So every hour you did at summer school should count for double in teaching experience because I don't know how you did it. I'm, I'm shocked, <laughs> and that's, that's remarkable. That well, you in that case, I've, that. I've, buried, I've done, I think I've done 15 summer schools because uh, I, I started the year before my first year teaching. Uh, Katie Noah was the summer school coordinator over uh, Hermitage High School, and she hired me the year before my um, first year teaching to, to run a summer school class. So, so yeah. So. Very cool. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on Staffordly yep. Spilling the Tea. There you go, tea drinkers. That was an episode of Staffordly Spilling the Tea. I want to thank you for steeping in our episode. And do me a favor and go give us a four or five star review and click that subscribe button so you get future episodes. This has been real. This has been fun. And this has been real fun. Till next time. See you.